0: and as we celebrate this morning on Easter Sunday, we look back to what Jesus did. And um, and I want to, for a minute, just imagine what it would have been like to have been at that very first Easter. That very first Easter. Well, Luke chapter 24, it tells us what Jesus did on that very first Easter. And we'll look at verse number 13. The Bible said, Now that same day, Two of them, now these two people are disciples. They're not part of the 12 disciples. There were the 12, they were the inner circle of Jesus, but there were more disciples on top of the 12 disciples. And so these are two disciples, and uh, and they were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? Who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus asked, What things? Gotta love that. What things? And they said, About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hope. We had hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And so there's a conversation between Jesus and these two disciples. They don't know that it's Jesus. And so they start telling Jesus about who Jesus was and everything that He's done. These two guys, essentially, these two guys are the first people on the planet to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ to Jesus Himself. And so He's giving them; the, they're talking to them about Jesus about Jesus, and then Jesus changed the conversation and. He does a Bible study beginning from the Scriptures of the Law and Genesis and all the way through, and he gives them this detailed Bible study, and they are blown away by this man's teaching. And yet they still haven't figured this out. They still haven't figured out that this is Jesus who had just died and was buried. And they knew that the body was gone because some ladies have Showed up, and, and some ladies said he, you know, an angel showed up and said it was risen. And then at the same time, you know, there were uh, rumors like someone stole the body to make it look like Jesus disappeared. And so they were just trying to figure out the real news and the fake news. They're just trying to figure this all out. They're confused, they've got questions. But they're listening to this man Jesus on this seven mile walk. And they're just blown away. And they get to verse number 28. They get to the village, to where they were going. And Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. The Bible says, then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And that's what Jesus did on that very first Easter Sunday morning in the past week. And I've been inviting people to Easter services, you know, to come to Lake Point Church. And, and I always ask the question, hey, do you have big plans for Easter? Do you have big plans for Easter? And whatever answer they give me, I said, well, listen, I would love to invite you to Easter services at Lake Point Church. And, um, and I want you to come and, uh, and be a part of our Easter services. And, and, and so many of them said, yeah, we love to come. We'll try to be there. And, uh, and I, I would ask the question, if we were to ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, do you have big plans for Easter? And I imagine that Jesus would have said something like, well, actually, I do. I kind of got the biggest plans ever. I intend to defeat death. I intend to destroy the grave. I intend to to prove to the world that I am the resurrection and the life, the savior of the world. I'm going to do all of that, and then I'm going to take a walk. And I'm going to walk in the middle of nowhere. I'm going to come across these two guys, and I'm just going to randomly just kind of interrupt the conversation, just interject right in the middle of the conversation, and I'm going to pretend that I don't know anything that's going on. And, and, and I love this story because that, that was like the ultimate It's like the ultimate Jesus juke. I mean, Jesus just kind of plays this whole thing, and they're having a conversation for seven miles long. And I love this story because this is a story that I can relate to, and so can you. Everybody at every age and stage of life, from every background, you can relate to the story. Because these two men, they have questions, and they're confused, like me in a science class. (laughs) They're confused. They got questions. They can't figure it all out. They don't know what just happened. And here's what we know about these guys. We know for sure that one of them was named Cleopas. We don't know the other person's name. We know that they have been in Jerusalem. They have most likely stood there on Golgotha. They most likely watched Jesus be crucified by the hands of the Roman soldiers and they likely saw Jesus gave his last breath. They may have seen Jesus' body come down from the cross as they take his lifeless body and bury it in a tomb. See, on Friday, they saw Jesus die. On Saturday, nothing happened. And now it's Sunday morning and for whatever reason, they've given up. They've decided this is not worth it, and they leave. They get out of town. They get out of there. And they start walking to Emmaus. And somewhere on this journey to Emmaus, Jesus catches up to them and begins to talk to them. and says, hey, guys, what is going on? What is happening? And these two guys, they stood still, their faces downcast. And then they look at him and said, have you not been paying attention? I mean, have you been hiding under a rock? I mean, have you been paying attention to all the things that have happened in Jerusalem the past few days? And, and, and Jesus said, what things? What are you talking about? He said, no, about Jesus of Nazareth, who is powerful and words and miracles. And, and, and yet people and the religious people and the, and the local leaders, they... They took him and condemned him to die, and they crucified him. And in verse 21, it said, And we had hope that he would be the one to save us. We had hope that this was the guy that was going to save the world. And all of our hopes died with him. We had hope. And I think a lot of us can relate to these two guys because We've been there. You see, life is full of heart-breaking experiences, which often leads to hopelessness. It leads to hopelessness, and we have lived lives of broken, and so many of us are broken. We're confused. Let me ask you a question: Has there ever been a time in your life when things didn't turn out the way you wanted them to, to, and you had to say? I had hope. I had hope. Have you ever lost hope? Maybe you're single, and maybe you thought, I had hoped to be married. Or if you're divorced, maybe you thought, you know, I had hoped to stay married. Or you might be a student who has thought, you know, I had hope that my parents would have split up. Or you may be a parent who had a miscarriage, or you might be a parent that not being able to conceive, and you wonder why, and you're confused, and and you thought, man, we had hope. We had hope to have a child. We had hope to have a family. Maybe you're a grieving widow or widower who thinks, I had hope that we would grow old together. Everyone is in search of hope. Millions of people around the world looking for hope. And they're broken lives, they're looking for questions, they're looking for answers, and they can't find the answers that they're looking for. And we ask questions, and we ask questions all in the wrong places, and we're getting answers, and we're getting all the wrong answers. And nothing seems to satisfy the hope that we're looking for, and, we, and at the end of the day, we say, maybe this is, uh, this is what life is. Maybe it's a dead end to the road of hope. There, maybe there is no such thing as, Real hope. And maybe that's you here. Because these disciples they thought hope was over. They thought it was done. They were just trying to figure out what why is life worth living for. Everyone's in search of hope. And you might be here this morning, you feel hopeless, you feel broken. But on this Easter Sunday morning, I want to talk about the good news. Because we learn in this story that Jesus and only Jesus can restore your hope when you see him for who he is. That's why we sing about him. That's why every song that we've sung this morning is about the risen Savior. It's about the hope that we have in Christ. We're a song called Living Hope. we sing a song called He's Still Rolling Stone. He is still changing life. He is still offering peace and hope, a hope that we can't understand, a peace that we can't understand. But he is offering it today. And only Jesus, only Jesus can offer this hope when we see him for who he is. So many of us are blinded. We don't even see Jesus in our lives. Some of you, you came to church this morning, and you're just here. Someone to drag you to church. But some of you said, well, we just, this is what we do, you know, once a year. This is what we do on Easter. We just come and, and, and you meet Jesus. But I'm here to say that Jesus is rolling stones. And he wants to change your life. He wants to offer you hope. He wants you to open your eyes. And when you open your eyes, then you get to see who Jesus is, and you get to see that he has the hope that you're looking for. These two disciples, after walking seven miles, after they had that Bible study from Jesus, and they're just blown away by the teaching of this man. And they get to their house, and Jesus, that's like he's going to keep walking. And they're like, no, 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 no. We, we're not done with you. We want, it's getting late. Why don't you come in, and, and we'll put you up for the night, and we'll feed you, and we just want to keep hearing you because, wow. You, you know so much about the scriptures. <laughs> These guys still haven't put two and two together yet. They still haven't seen Jesus. They still haven't quite put it all wrapped their mind about this whole thing. And, and, I, and I think about that. I had something similar that happened to me. Not me and Jesus, but, you know, um, somebody that was famous, somewhat famous. And, uh, and, and I had that experience. We were about 15 years ago. I was on a mission trip to Mexico. And uh, we flew into San Diego, did our mission trip then in Mexico, and then after a week or so, we came back to San Diego to fly home. We had about five or six hours before the airport, or the air, you know, our flight to, the, you know, to go home. And so we had some time to do some stuff, and so we went by this, uh, I, I think it's called Seaside Village or Seaport Village in downtown, um, downtown San Diego. And this is a happening place. I mean, it's right off the bay. You see Navy ships, you see the bridge, the Coronado Bridge, going over to Coronado Island, the, I mean, it's just beautiful. The weather's perfect. Um, you see the convention center, you know, San Diego Convention Hall, which was actually very busy at the moment because there was a Comic Con going on. And, uh, and that's important to the story here in just a minute. But there was Comic Con going on, so you saw a lot happening. A lot of people dressed up in different ways and um, they had all kinds of cool places to eat. And, uh, and I was a singles pastor, and so, you know, I had all the singles. that said, listen, you know, just, we'll be back here in five hours because in five hours we've got to go to the airport. And uh, But do your thing, have fun, and I'll uh, see you in five hours. And so me and uh, two other guys, we thought, hey, let's go out to eat, and uh, we'll go get some, something good. And, and then after dinner, we had some time to kill, so we kind of took a walk along the dock and along the bay. And, um, and, uh, and on our way back to where we're supposed to meet everybody, the sun was coming down, sunset was happening, it was a little dark, and there was this open air cafe. We were walking past the cafe, and, and in that open air cafe was one table that was occupied. It was a pretty empty restaurant, but this one table that was occupied, and, um, and there was one person at that table that just kind of caught my eye. I said, Man, that guy looks familiar. And I couldn't quite picture where i seen him, where I saw him, but you know, he looked somebody that you see on TV. And so I kind of, the two guys by me, I said, hey, you see that guy at the table? I said, does he look familiar to you? And they all kind of looked at him and I said, man, we don't know who that is. No, I don't know who that is. And then it hit me. I said, I know who it is. I think, I could be wrong, but I think. It's the boogeyman from the the movie series Nightmare on Elm Street. How many? Of you, I'm a child of the '80s, okay. So I never watched it, but I know about it, okay. You know because he's on every cover when you go into the the VCR store. Remember the VCR stores, okay? You know Blockbuster, and you walk down the the scary aisle. Of course, there's like seven of his movies, and he's on the picture of every cover of every VCR movie you can rent. You know, you got that look, He got the hand up, and, and, uh, and I said, I think that's Freddie. <laughs> I think that's him. And, and, and my two guys are like looking at him, Freddie? No, that's not Freddie. You know, we're getting dark. I said, I don't, Scott, you're just imagining it. I said, I don't know. Maybe you're right. So we get back to the group, and uh, we still had a few people to wait on. And while I was waiting there, I, I just thought, you know what? I'm going to throw this out there. I, I tell everybody, hey, I think I saw somebody famous. And all the singles, that come around and say, oh, you saw somebody famous? You know, I think they're hoping for a Brad Pitt or somebody else like that. But I'm like, you know, yeah, I saw somebody famous. I think I saw Freddy Krueger. And then they all laugh at me. And they say, oh, that was a good one, Scott. That's funny because it's Comic-Con. And there's somebody I'm sure that is actually dressed like Freddy. Okay? And um, and, and so there's a lot of people dressed up going to Comic-Con. I said, no, 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 no. I think I actually saw the real Freddy. I don't know his name, but it's Freddy uh, on the movies." And, And so one of the girls in our group was like, Pastor Scott. I am a Nightmare on Elm Street super fan. And I was like, you are? <laughs> I said, yeah. I, if it's Freddy, I would know. So let let's go. you point him out to me, and we'll see if it's Freddy. I said, OK. And so we started walking to that open-air cafe. And, uh, and, and sure enough, he's still there. He's actually getting up from, me, from the table and ready to walk out on the sidewalk to where we were standing. And, and, and I kind of pointed it to her. I said, that's Freddy, right? Am I right? And she looked, and her eyes got open, really big. And then she had this look of horror on her face. I'm like, okay, this is not real, okay? And and, and she said, Scott, that's Freddy. Are you sure? I I think so. I said, well, why don't you ask him? Oh, no. (laughs) I can't. I can't talk to him. I said, do you want me to? Yes, that's okay. So I go up to the man, I say, excuse me, sir, you look very familiar. But are you Freddy? <laughs> and then he said, no, I'm not Freddy. I said, oh, man, I am so sorry. You look like somebody I knew. I started turning around and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, yes, I'm Freddy. I said, you are? Yes, I am. I said, okay, well, listen, I'm not really a fan because I don't care. Uh, (laughs) I may have not been that harsh, okay. I said, But there's a girl, she's a super fan, and she would just love your pictures. She can't talk, okay, because she is starstruck for whatever reason, but she wants to take a picture, and, and, and so she gets in, and and he said, yes, I'll take a picture and, and I get the old camera, you know, those little cameras you have to actually develop, okay, and, and wait 24 hours. All right, we have one of those cameras, so it's not a great quality picture. And so, but when I said, okay, we'll take a picture, and when I took that picture, it was clear. Any confusion, any doubt that I had that this might be Freddie became crystal clear that this was Freddy. There was no doubt about it in my mind, but I saw my, my eyes were open when I took this picture. You want to see the picture? All right, let's show that picture. Ha! And he, I, I mean, when he did that, I said, whoa, okay, I'm about to have a nightmare. And I took that picture. See, my eyes were open when I saw Freddy Krueger with his hand like this. Now, here, that's my Freddy story. Let me ask you a question: What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? The disciples, when they saw Jesus for who He is, and their eyes were opened. They saw that they had a new hope, because hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. See, my eyes were open to Freddy when I saw him do the thing with his hand. But for these two disciples in our story, it took something different to see Jesus for their eyes to be open. And you know what I believe here? I believe that when I show you how these two disciples saw Jesus, that many of you in this room your eyes will be open as well. So Jesus came in. The Bible said they invited Jesus into the house. They sat down, and they had dinner. And when they sat down, the Bible said that Jesus took the bread, and he blessed it. He gave thanks. He broke it. He gave it to them. And it was in that moment that they saw Jesus. How did they have their eyes open? Let me show you. When Jesus took the bread, sitting at the table, when Jesus took the bread, when Jesus, who is the bread of life, he identifies himself as the bread of life, he picked up the bread, gave thanks. Jesus who was born in Bethlehem which means house of bread, break the bread. Jesus whose body was broken on Friday, he broke the bread and when he broke the bread I want you to see what happens. I'll take my watch off, but when he broke the bread He gave it to them. What did they see? Think about it. They saw bread and scars. Look at the wrist. They saw bread, and they saw where the nails had been driven into his wrist. And they knew in that moment that there have been many men with the scars of the crucifixion, and they're all buried in the ground because nobody survives a crucifixion. But not this man, because this man is alive. He is not a ghost. He's been physically walking and talking with them all day. He is now sitting at the table, and when they saw the scars, when Jesus broke the bread and gave it to them, when they saw the scars, the scars told a story that words could never tell, and their eyes were opened, and they knew it. They knew Jesus. Those scars told a story that there is a man who defeated death in the grave. Here was the man who is the resurrection and the life. He was a man who claim to be son of God, he is the son of God because he came back from the grave and he's alive and their eyes were open. I pray here this morning you realize that we have a Savior who came and he died. They buried him and he's alive today. He's alive, and and because he's alive, we can have hope. Their eyes were open when they recognized Jesus for who he was, and their hope was restored. They thought he was dead, but now he was alive. See, Easter is the most hopeful day of the year, because the Bible says that it's the resurrection of Jesus that gives us hope. I want to look at this last verse, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. The Bible says that in his great mercy. You know what mercy means? Mercy means God not giving us what we deserve. What do we deserve? We deserve because of our sin. We don't deserve Jesus. We don't deserve eternal life. In fact, what we do deserve is eternal separation from God that when we die in this life, we go into a place called hell, which is a real place. And that's what we deserve. But in his great mercy, in his wonderful, wonderful, marvelous grace and mercy, the Bible says that he's given us new birth, new life. He's given us a second chance because we blew the first chance when we sin and because of our brokenness we become hopeless that was the first chance but then he gave us new birth new life into a living hope and why is it living? There is a hope that is still active today, There is a hope that is still rolling stone Live in hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And here's what we're going to do in just a minute. We're going to pray. We're going to close this message. But I'm also going to offer an invitation for you to take the bread of life, for you to receive Christ into your life. I'm not asking you to take the peace, but I'm taking you from a figurative perspective language here for you to receive Christ the bread of life into your life because the bread of life will satisfy every hunger every thirst that you ever had and it will fulfill it forever and I'm going to invite you to pray and ask Jesus to come to your life and be your Lord and Savior and when you open your eyes when you see that we serve we live we have a risen Savior it should change your world and say, Jesus, I need you into my life. Now, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want you to forgive me of my sins. And you might be sitting here and the Scott, you understand, my life is messed up. My life is in the gutter. God will never forgive. But here's what I want, what I want you to know. Jesus embraced the mess. You know how much he loves you? He had the scars to prove it. That's how much he loves you. And no matter how far you've been, no matter how much you've been, how much badness, how much sin you've done in your life, Jesus will forgive. With head bowed and eyes closed, he says, Scott, you're talking to me this morning. I'm a person that came into church this morning without hope, with brokenness, with a mess. And I came in here, I didn't even know what to expect. I just came in here just to hear a nice message about the resurrection, but man, tonight, this morning, God, God is convicting me right now. God is speaking to my heart. There's something in my heart that's telling me that I need to give something to God, and I need to receive him into my life. And if that is true, the Bible said that we simply cry out and call upon the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved which means you don't come to me for salvation. I'm just a dying man preaching to dying men and women. I'm in the same boat as you are. But there's one person that I want to be in charge of my boat, and his name is Jesus. And he can come to your life. He can change your life. He can forgive you of your past, your present, and your future. And he can give you a place and take you to heaven when you die. In his great mercy, he wants to offer you new life through the living hope that is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You simply say, God, what, what do I do? He said, you can simply invite him into your life. And I can help you. I'm gonna pray this little prayer. You can repeat it out loud in your head and your mind not the words that can save you, but put your heart, you cry out to God. And you pray this prayer and say, dear God, I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and give me a new life. I want to find new hope and I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you for coming out of the grave on that third day. Thank you for offering living hope. And that you're still rolling stones today. Today I give it to you. When no one's looking. And says, God, I just asked Jesus. I just pray that prayer. And I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I asked him to come into my life to be my Lord and Savior. And I've been praying for you. We have people praying for this room all Week long. There are people here last night praying for the people that are sitting in these chairs. And you might be here, you're just struggling. Man, I pray that prayer, but I don't, I'm still confused. I still got questions. That's okay. We want to help you with that. But you just got. I've asked Jesus this morning, just now, when, I, when you pray that prayer, I repeat it in the quietness of my heart. And I ask Jesus to come in my heart. If that is true, will you raise your hand for just one minute? We have ushers that want to give you a, a, a next step package to help you in your walk with Jesus. But if that's you, to raise your hand. Don't be afraid. I see one hand up here. I see a hand up here. Hold it up for just a minute. Amen. Got one up here. One over here. Up here in the front. Anybody else? I pray that prayer and I ask Jesus to come in my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Anybody else in this room? Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Jesus he hung on the cross. He gave it all for you. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Anybody else in this room? So I ask Jesus. I prayed that prayer and I asked him to come to my life. Oh, Father, God, we love you and we thank you for those that took a next step in you. We thank you for those that took a decision, a bold step of faith, so that they can see new hope and have a new life that can only be found in you. God, we thank you for your resurrection. God, there may be Christians here in this room we have kind of forgotten. We've kind of lost sight of the hope that you have offered. God, I pray that we would renew our strength, renew our hope in a risen Savior this morning. I pray we walk out of here today with a fresh outlook on our lives. And we thank you for what you've done for us on the cross and out of the tomb. In your name I pray, amen. Let's all stand. Let's give it up for those that took a step in Christ. Let's whoop it up. Let's all stand.